and welcome to Cream of Caroline, the most festive casserole lifestyle podcast on the airwaves. I'm your host, Caroline Hatchett. What better way to kick off the holiday cooking season than with cheese? Beth Ann Colton joins the cream today from Murray's Cheese, an 80-year-old institution here in Greenwich Village in New York City. You will get ideas today for building cheese boards, stocking your fridge, planning cheese-centric travel, and making over-the-top cheese Latin casseroles. Get out your lactate. It's going to be creamy. What's in the oven? Tonight we have two cheese-alicious casseroles. The first is Seafood Mornay, found on page 67 of the 1983 Southern Living Annual Recipes Cookbook. Of course, you can also follow along at Cream of Caroline on Instagram. Now, Seafood Mornay is a decadent make-ahead holiday meal. It serves six, and you start out with beautiful premium seafood, a half a pound of fat sea scallops, one and a quarter pound of shrimp, I happen to use rock shrimp, and two dozen oysters. Now, the original recipe called to poach these in advance, blanch them briefly, but I didn't want to overcook the seafood in the oven, so I simply sprinkled some vermouth on top to flavor it as a poaching liquid would, and put it on paper towels to absorb as much liquid as possible. So from there, we're going to make a Mornay sauce, melt butter and sweat some finely diced onion, add flour, you know what to do, make a roux, whisk in milk, and cook until thick and bubbly. We're going to remove that from the heat and stir in cheese. I used half a cup of Conte, Gruyere would also work, along with a half a cup of Charfamax. Swiss is what the original called for, but we are upgrading cheese today. And then finally, two-thirds of a cup of Parmesan. Season with salt, pepper, and nutmeg. Pour that on top of the seafood now that's been placed into individual ramekins. Uh, put buttered cracker crumbs or bread crumbs on top of that. Bake at 350 for 20 to 25 minutes until Michael Bublé. Mm. The second casserole I chose is tartiflette because Beth Ann and I have both experienced it in its home region of Savoie. Now, this is a cheese laddened potato bake, and you're going to start with bacon, uh, slab bacon that's been cut up or lardon, and cook that until pretty crispy and brown in a saute pan. Remove the bacon, leave in the fat, and saute one onion that's been thinly sliced. Deglaze with a bit of white wine. Now to that mixture you're going to add two and a half pounds of thinly sliced waxy potatoes. Cook stirring those around until they are just tender and season with salt and pepper. Now transfer half the potatoes to a buttered casserole dish. Top with the bacon and then one half of a pound of reblechon cheese. You can also use préféré de nos montagnes, and I'll put those spellings in the Instagram. Now that cheese has been cut into strips. Repeat with the remaining potatoes and bacon. Add another half pound of cheese. Oh, Lord have mercy. Bake at 375 for 20 to 35 minutes until that cheese is melted. The potatoes are cooked through. They know how to do it in Savoie. 
and that's what's in the oven. Casseroles in the news. This week, casserole news is seeing double. There are not one but two cats named Casserole who are looking for a home. In Elton, Maryland, Casserole, the adult tabby, weighs in at 20 pounds. He's a great snuggler, and the adoption agency just wants to make a note. He obviously enjoys his meals, they say, but could use some dietary guidance. And then in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, a pint-sized casserole, two months old, is up for adoption from the Providence Animal Center. He is neutered, microchipped, litter box trained, and up to date on his casserole vaccinations. Next up, baked pasta. It's a trend, and it is back on the menu at Olive Garden, where for $11.99, you can get entrees like smoked mozzarella, shrimp rigatoni baked in a creamy seafood alfredo sauce with spinach. 5,000 calories later, don't forget to pile on the endless breadsticks and salad. Eater also reports that just around the corner from Cream of Caroline headquarters, Pasta El Forno opened this week, specializing in baked pastas like lasagna, timpano, and tempalo. That last one comes with pasta and beef ragu with prosciutto, peas, smoked moats, hard-boiled eggs, all wrapped in a shell of prosciutto and fried eggplant and baked to casserole perfection. And that's your casseroles in the news. All right, listeners, we have a very special guest here today from Murray's Cheese, Beth Ann Colton. And we are going to kind of kick off the holiday season today with two very celebratory, very cheesy casseroles. Welcome, Beth Ann. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm really excited to have you. We worked together on an article a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, mm-hmm. and I just instantly was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> she must come for the podcast. Well, I was very excited when you asked. Cheese. If, you know, everybody except poor people who uh, are maybe lactose intolerant, everybody loves cheese. For the most part, yes. I'm suspicious of anyone who doesn't. Well, yes, obviously. <laughs> now, and you worked in music brief, briefly, or how long were you in the music industry? I worked in music for a couple of years out of college. I want to say four years Okay, that four or five years, maybe five years, <laughs> um, and just needed to make a change. I wasn't happy with what I was doing, and I was thinking about going down a food avenue, but wasn't really sure what that was going to be. I had heard about Murray's Cheese. I actually read a blog post about the boot camp that they mm-hmm. do, and in that moment, my mind was just completely blown that this even existed as a thing. And I kind of decided that I wanted to work in cheese. I had no idea what that meant. I didn't know anything about cheese. I wasn't even really eating a ton of cheese, but I was just I was just fascinated and I had to learn more. <laughs> and <laughs> I started telling people that I wanted to work in cheese. And you know, my parents would ask, well, what does that mean? And say, I have no idea, but I'm going to do it. (laughs) And I finally worked up the nerve to sign myself up for a Cheese 101 class at Murray's with the intent of speaking with the instructor to find out how I could learn more and and get involved. 
I even bought the Murray's Cheese Handbook in preparation of the class. Mm-hmm. I had bought the cheese primer. I was just ready to go. And at the beginning of the class, the instructor mentioned that they were looking for cave interns because at the time we had our cheese caves beneath the shop on Bleecker Street. Mm-hmm. And I just, I knew this was, this was it. And I stuck around uh, till the end of the class and spoke with her. And, you know, I was just like, I have a full-time job right now, but I really want to do this. I want to... I want to get involved in cheese. I went back to my employer, told them that I wanted to do this cave internship, that it would just be three months, you know, figure out a way to make it work. They said they needed to think about it. They laid me off two weeks later. (laughs) Um, But it was the best thing that could have happened because right right after that, I was down in the cheese caves, getting my hands dirty, washing cheeses, flipping cheeses, patting them, and just fully immersing myself into the world of cheese. Um, I started taking classes there just to, you know, start to expand my knowledge and just to taste as much cheese as I could. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of went from there. And that was, gosh, uh, over 10 and a half years ago now. Wow. Okay, that's amazing. <laughs> the cheese store, the cheese origin story. Exactly, exactly. Everyone's got one. Uh, and for listeners who may not have visited the shop uh, in New York, um, tell us a little bit more about Murray's on a macro. Yeah, Murray's. Level. Uh, so Murray's is one of New York's oldest cheese shops. Um, we're actually going into our 80th year. I don't think I knew next that. Next year, which is wild. Um, just a, a real neighborhood institution um you know we try and source the best possible cheeses we have amazing relationships with the producers that we work with we are really passionate about what we do and um really big on educating not only ourselves but you know people who are coming into the shop or you know buying cheese for their restaurants um we truly love cheese. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's one of the most glorious things about going into Murray's uh, to shop is the amount of cheese that you can eat. (laughs) And so you're sampling to just, you know, or revisiting a cheese to make sure that it's the one that you want to purchase. Exactly, exactly. Um, I mean, you walk into the shop and just the smells and um, there's just sort of a buzz in the air when you walk in and then, you know, you walk to the counter and you just see hundreds of cheeses, different varieties and textures and smells and flavors. And it's a wonderful thing. Now, and you are, uh, your title is wholesale manager. Yes. What does that mean? What do you do exactly? (laughs) Um, Well, in addition to getting to work with an amazing team of women, um, I have the pleasure of working with some really talented chefs uh, throughout New York City as well as across the country. Um, you know, basically, I am talking cheese every day, all day, every day. Um, you know, working with chefs, purchasers. You know, sometimes it's the general manager who's managing the cheese program. It's really a variety of different people and working with them to plan their cheese menus, recommending cheeses for dishes, and and then doing a lot of education on top of that. So going in, doing staff trainings, um, bringing people out to see the cheese caves, just uh, really sharing that knowledge, engaging people in the cheeses that they have at their restaurants. Okay. 
Now, but did you grow up with nice cheese? You know, I was thinking about that, and I don't think I was a huge cheese person growing up. You know, I loved like Kraft macaroni and mm-hmm. cheese. That was definitely a big thing. Were you a singles family? We, we may have had some craft singles. Um, you know, polio string cheese, just a little more like basic cheeses that are, you know, snackable, delicious, mm-hmm. um, nothing terribly highbrow. You know, I definitely remember at holidays having, um, you know, more of a, you know, kind of a fancier board, you know, with things like Maytag blue, because mm-hmm. that, you know, that's what you had back in those days. And, um, you know, there was probably a, a soft bloomy rind, like a, a brie or a camembert or mm-hmm. some sort of triple creme, maybe a cheddar. But I don't really remember any specific cheese that was a huge part of it, which is sort of funny that I then wound up right. fully immersed in all things cheese. We were really a big cheddar family. We were big green carton parmesan family for mm-hmm. a long time we ate brie and then chega later yeah like when i got a little bit older in high school but i don't know maybe some really bad swiss and stuff as well for like dishes and dishes <laughs> i don't right. know yeah i think definitely as i got older you know maybe later in high school college the cheese selection at home maybe started getting a little more advanced but i have to admit I had a brief vegan period where I wasn't eating dairy and that's unfortunate it it is unfortunate (laughs) and I think I'm just making up for it now yes obviously now and um what about the casserole realm I always ask my guests did you were you a casserole family we dabbled in some casseroles dabbled dabbled um scalloped potatoes Mm -hmm. definitely in heavy rotation I don't think we used cheese in it. It It's probably more like heavy cream and butter and a lot of that. There was one dish that was also in very heavy rotation, which involved chicken breast, wild rice, cream of mushroom soup, Mm -hmm. and possibly the French onion packet, like the Lipton um, for like French onion soup, or you could use it, like mix it with sour cream and make a dip. And... I think it was just an easy kind of one pot thing that my parents could do. And it was something that everyone agreed on and we all ate it. And I, that definitely stands out as a big one for yeah, me. I think combining the cream of mushroom soup and the Lipton soup packet mm-hmm. sounds really intense. It's actually, <laughs> I'm I sure it was good. Yeah, I, I remember enjoying it immensely. I, really kind of want to make it again to see if it kind of stands up to the memory. Um, tuna casserole was something that I really liked, but my parents didn't make it. Okay. But anytime I was at a friend's and, they, and their parents made it, I was really excited. Now, I didn't grow up with tuna casserole, but I was super freaked out by, we did salmon casseroles. Oh. But like canned. Yeah, I'm no. shaking my head Mm-mm. now. No, <laughs> not not cute. So today, um, our our cheese focused casseroles, um, one that's pretty traditional, um, tartiflette yes. from Savoie, which we were saying we've both been brats and been to Savoie mm-hmm. <laughs> and enjoyed it uh, in the home region. And that so traditionally is covered with 
Reblochon. Reblochon, yes. Thank you. Uh, which we apparently can't get in America. Sadly, no. Uh, and that is because the cheese is made with raw cow's milk and is less than the 60-day requirement for raw milk cheeses in this country. So sadly, we can't get that here. But what's the substitute? The substitute uh, is a cheese called Préféré de Montagne, okay. which is very, very similar, similar texture. You get some of that funk in there. It's buttery. Um, it is pasteurized, so it's it's legal in this country since it is also less than 60 days, um, and it makes for a great substitute. Okay, yeah. So I, I, I wandered into Murray's today, and that's what... Uh, that's what the staff gave me, but there is a whole there's a whole pound uh, <laughs> of cheese and potatoes and some lardon. Oh my god! Uh, and if that's not a casserole, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I'm ready I'm, for I'm, it? I'm super excited. <laughs> now the other one is one. So all of the recipes I'm cooking this season are from a 1983 Southern Living Cookbook. Nice. And there are some really special, uh, interesting recipes. Uh, and this one seems very much uh, a touch of like the 1950s seafood Mornay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have a nice base of really beautiful fresh seafood that I just covered with a glop of Mornay sauce. But again, when I went into the store today, so that it called for Parmesan, mm-hmm. Swiss, which is not a real category, I don't think. You know, it. I feel like it is maybe a little bit misunderstood when people say Swiss. They're usually referring to, or they're in their mind, they're thinking about Emmentaler, or or maybe like a deli Swiss. Um, but I like to refer to sort of the more broader category of Alpine styled cheeses. Okay. So Emmentaler would of course fall in that category, but also including cheeses like Gruyere, Comte, Appenzeller. And in, in, in domestic Alpine-styled cheeses like Alpha Tolman from Jasper Hill Farm, Pleasant Ridge from Uplands, you know, the cheese to fall into that category does not have to be specifically from Switzerland or even from a mountainous region. That's where they come from traditionally. Right. Um, but it's more about that style, that, you know, firm, tight-knit texture, um, usually aged for several months, if not a year or more. So there are no holes that are necessary in this cheese either. Nope, not necessary. <laughs> what are the holes? How? Why do those holes form? So that comes from a bacteria called propionic bacteria okay. that releases carbon dioxide while the cheese is aging and creates those like a, holes. Like a pizza or yeah. a bread or anything else. <laughs> okay, I had no idea. Yeah. And, and the third cheese was uh, Gruyere. Nice. So, obviously, Parmesan, the king of cheeses. Mm-hmm. I already had that on hand from our dear listener, Joseph Ear, brought me some back from a trip to Parma. Nice. Uh, and then I'm looking at my, my cheese cheat seat, cheat sheet today. We got the Sharfamax Extra. Yes. And, and, and these are to like upgrade the casserole listeners and Conte. How are those kind of an upgrade over what you might pick up just at the grocery store counter or the deli case? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, each one is going to bring some different flavors that are kind of unique to the region where it's coming from. You know, what those animals are eating is directly translating to some of the flavors that you're getting in that milk. Um, so you really get some you know deep, complex flavors, some richer notes, very savory, sometimes oniony, um, and then when melted, right, it gets even more amplified. So you get some really intense flavors there. Now, are are there any cheeses that you think are too sacred for a casserole? 
You know, I don't know. I mean, if it's delicious cheese, it's probably still going to be delicious in the casserole. Like yeah, something I'd... that might like lose its essence when warmed or something. I don't know. You know, often cheeses will get, you know, the some of the the funkier flavors might become more pronounced when they're melted. You know, if anything, I think about it almost in terms of cost sometimes, right. where when you're thinking about some cooking cheeses, maybe you're going to reserve the, you know, like very expensive cheese for your cheese plate because yeah, you really want to do savor each bite and just focus on the cheese without, you know, mixing it with other ingredients. Okay. Now, but in general, so, I mean, Murray's makes its own cheddar. Mm-hmm. You guys have some great, very casserole-friendly cheeses. Oh, yeah. What are some of those? What are your, what are your, what would your favorite casserole cheeses be? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that cheddar, which is the Stocking Hall cheddar, it's one of our Cave Master Reserve cheeses. We developed the recipe. Uh, it took about two years of R&D. Uh, the cheese is made upstate for us using our recipe, and then we're doing all of the aging in our caves in Long Island City. So we're oh, wow. we're clothing it ourselves um, and then aging it for about 12 months in our caves. And I've often described that cheese as having flavors of a baked potato with sour cream. So give me an opportunity oh. to melt that over potatoes in some capacity. I am there for it. Okay. Um, it just has Amazing. some nice... Um, acidity to it just again sort of that like sour cream essence I tasted it with someone once who thought it tasted like potato soup and what's is it just like a, a yeasty bacterial thing giving it that potato situation just from you know the, the cultures and the milk that are kind of driving that flavor profile and then also you know just from the inherent molds that are hanging out in the caves where it's right. aging Okay, that's our that's our signal to put the Mornay in the oven. Oh boy! So we're gonna do that now. Hold on one second, listeners. We're back. <laughs> the Mornay is the Mornay is in the oven. Uh, so cheeses that are casserole friendly at Murray's. Yeah. So we were talking about the Stocking Hall cheddar. Another cheddar that I think would be pretty amazing is the Montgomery's cheddar, which is a rock house milk cheese from Somerset in the UK. Mm. Usually has about eighteen months on it. Um, again, like just really complex flavors. It's grassy, earthy. You know, when you get closer to the rind, you can almost taste the the earth. You know, from where the the cows wow. are grazing. Um, it's it's a really fantastic cheese, and I think would lend itself well to to maybe a tuna casserole, perhaps. Wow. <laughs> now that I have that <laughs> on the brain. Um, but yeah, you know, and and just thinking about alpine style cheeses i know we've mentioned a few but it's such a great category for melting of course and so you know you could kind of go into a shop like murray's for instance and and taste through a variety of of alpine style cheeses and and find one that you particularly like that's going to melt well and and try it with a dish and See what happens. And in our in our previous interview, one of the things that gave me the most heart was your love of pepper jack cheese. Yes, yes, yeah. Because I have um, a dear friend Ed, uh, who's a former Whole Foods cheese monger, mm-hmm. who who told me once that it was the lowest of the cheeses. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept buying it anyway, but every time I every time I did, I felt a little inadequate. No, not at all. There should be no <laughs> shame whatsoever. 
Pepper Jack is a wonderful cheese. <laughs> um, the, the one that we carry, uh, the producer is called Maple Leaf. They have actually taken first place in their category at the American Cheese Society Conference. So you know it's legit. Yes. Okay. So listeners, you can officially, Bethann has <laughs> sanctioned Pepper Jack cheese. If you've taken it out of your life, bring it back in. Embrace it. Love it. Right. Be Ed, one with it. Ed, you're wrong. It's totally fine. <laughs> Sorry, Ed. <laughs> now, you, you are like cheese all day, every day. What cheese do you actually keep at home? Uh, I almost always have Parmigiano-Reggiano and or Pecorino-Romano on hand. I use those in pastas and salads. I'll just snack on them while cooking. Now, and what's the what's the real difference? Because people are very specific. But is but what's the difference between the two? Between the two, uh, milk type for one. So oh. Parmigiano-Reggiano is cow's milk, and Pecorino-Romano is sheep's milk. Okay. Um, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there is a little bit of a, a textual difference. Um, I mean, both are, you know, what are categorized as grana style cheeses. So kind of granular, you know, great for grating or shaving. Um, I do find that uh, Pecorino Romano has maybe a higher moisture content to it. And I often describe it as being like zestier and, and zippier. It's got a little bit of, of peppery spice to it, okay. um, which is one of the reasons why I love it sometimes even more than Parmigiano-Reggiano, but both are fantastic. Okay. And, and like I said, I will just cut little chunks off for myself while I'm cooking mm-hmm. and using them. Um, other, other regulars in the fridge include a cheese called Harbison from Jasper Hill Farm, which is a spruce-bound cheese. It's got this ooey, gooey, pudding-like texture that's just amazing. I could just stand there and eat it with a spoon. You barely need anything to go with it. Uh, Really, just any vessel to get it into your mouth will do. Um, But it's wonderful. Hollerhocker is another one. Okay. That's an alpine-style cheese, so rockhouse milk from Switzerland. Fun to snack on, but, you know, feel like whipping up a grilled cheese. Mm-hmm. Also good for that, or mac and cheese. And then Taleggio is another one. Just That's my go-to grilled cheese cheese. Why? It just it melts really well. You almost get that kind of perfect stretch when you're breaking the bread apart the and then Instagram worthy exactly stretch. exactly <laughs> and it's it's a cheese that already has these sort of yeasty notes to it like when you smell it when you taste it and so it just it works so well with the flavors of bread okay and I just yeah I don't have a signature grilled cheese cheese. (laughs) It's never too late. I know. I feel like I have so much more eating and sampling to do. Definitely. (sighs) Another one that's usually in my fridge and is there right now is the Meredith Dairy Feta. Okay. Which is a sheep and goat milk feta from Australia that has, it's in a jar of olive oil and black peppercorns and it's just phenomenal. So obviously with the holidays, tons of parties coming up. Yes. Uh, and you are a cheese board queen, I assume. I'm, I'm, I'm working on my game. Yes. <laughs> you just help professionals assemble them. Not, no big deal. Where should listeners start when thinking about putting together a really thoughtful, yeah, beautiful cheese plate or tray? Sure. Yeah. I mean, 
you want to think about having a variety of milk types, textures, styles. Um, I usually like to do an odd number of cheeses just because visually it presents itself a little bit better than an even number. So maybe three to five cheeses, depending on the okay. number of people that you're having. I'll usually do, you know, a soft cheese, a firmer, harder cheese, maybe a blue cheese, depending on the crowd that I'm entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, just because blue cheese can be one of those polarizing cheeses styles, unfortunately. And so I want to make sure that, you know, everyone's going to love everything. So yeah, so having the variety of, you know, styles, textures, milk types, although you could also, you know, do, you could do three different cheddars. You know, you could do a cheddar from the UK, a cheddar from New York and a cheddar from Wisconsin and see how they all compare. Um, you could do three different goat's milk cheeses from different parts of the world. You know, ultimately, I think people should eat what they enjoy, certainly, right. um, while having some variety in there. Um, and then you, you know, want to think about different components as well, like maybe having a jam or a chutney, honey, maybe some dried fruits or nuts. Cornichons are essential. Essential. They are absolutely essential. I don't care what else is on the board, but they're going to be cornichons. <laughs> absolutely. You know, mixed olives. You know, I like to think about color as well um, and how that presents on the board. We have these really cool uh, dried fruits. They're called Dardamons crisps. And it's like okay. uh, dried mandarin slices. They do dried tomato slices, dried pineapple slices. They pair well with a lot of different cheeses and and interestingly work really well with pate as well. Um, like rather than using maybe a, a petite toast uh, or you know bread or cracker, just like smearing the pate on those works really, really well. Um, so just thinking about different textures and, and mm-hmm. all of those components um, tend to make a really beautiful board. Now on Instagram lately, cheese boards have gotten out of control. I feel like there are these <laughs> really insane boards and there's no room on them to actually cut cheese. It's what's, what's, your, <laughs> what's your hot take on what's that? What's my hot take on that? There is a lot going on in some of them and, you know, visually they're they're beautiful um i do like that in a lot of them the cheese will already be cut so that you can easily grab it whereas if you had to cut into it it might make the board a little bit messy um i am i'm definitely not that fancy on okay when i am entertaining uh, which is why i sort of joked that i was working on my game okay. my cheese board <laughs> game um i tend to be a little bit more simple Organic. maybe but still you know making it beautiful (laughs) maybe not quite as instagram worthy (laughs) okay now have you ever walked into a party are you like how snobby are you and you're just like no 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 with this dilled gouda what are you are you you get do you get sad and and judgmental no i don't but i know that uh you know when i go to someone else's home and they got cheeses from from someone else they get really nervous about me showing up because they are worried that I'm going to be judging them. And I assure them that I am not, I truly love all cheeses. You were just talking about like a dill Gouda. I mean, 
I love me some Dil Havarti. <laughs> That's what I meant. No Havarti. I forgot which one had there, Dil in it. There, I'm sure there is a Dil Gouda out there. I would not be surprised. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm game for it all. Highbrow, lowbrow, give it to me. And you're still you're still getting invited to parties. <laughs> I'm so. still getting invited to parties. Yes. Okay. Good. Now, and also, if listeners want any of the cheeses we're talking about today murray's murray's delivers all over the world we well we not ship world. nationwide um yeah, sadly America. not not outside of the u.s um but we do ship nationwide uh, you can order through our website murrayscheese.com so that's that's a fabulous way to get our cheeses if you don't happen to live in new york city and can't hit up uh, one of our two retail shops. Uh, we are also in over 450 Kroger's across 30 states right, in the to, country. That's wild. So, um, so if you do live outside of the New York metro area and happen to have a, a Kroger in your town, you might be closer to a Murray's Cheese than you think. Yeah, that's a pretty and that's a pretty amazing upgrade for grocery store cheese. Yeah, it's it's amazing and it's been uh, just an incredible opportunity for you know Murray's to get our products out across the country and for us to share you know our our knowledge and passion about cheese to a wider audience. Yeah, and people and people need it. They need the good cheese. <laughs> Everyone needs the good cheese. So I assume that you get to go on some really fabulous cheese travel. I have been fortunate enough to go on some pretty amazing trips. Most recently, I was in France and Italy. That was back in September, and you know you had mentioned Comte is one of mm-hmm. the cheeses that uh, we were having today, and I did visit Franche Comte and got to visit two of the largest forts there, and it was absolutely amazing breathtaking. I think I might have wept at one point (laughs) upon turning a corner on our our way up to Fort Saint Antoine and hearing the bells that hang on the Montbayard cows just off in the distance, just ringing. And it's just, it's magical. It's something that I always talked about to people when, when talking about that cheese in particular. And, you know, kind of talking about the the romance behind it, but I hadn't been there. And it was everything and more. Just truly beautiful, the history behind it. Um, It was just an amazing experience. Yeah, William and I went two years ago. I did not, I don't remember cows in any field. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember eating so much conte that I thought I was going to die. But... Uh, I try to weave in cheese, like a little cheese excursion everywhere we go when yeah. we're abroad. What have been uh, some of your other favorite destinations like that are cheese specific? Uh, I went to Spain, I guess it was two or three years ago, and was in the region of La Mancha where Manchego is made. And, uh, you know, got to visit some producers there, mm-hmm. visit a, a sheep farm. And the food in Spain is just incredible. And, um, I, you know, oddly enough, I didn't eat quite as much cheese there as I thought I would. I definitely ate way more cheese in France and Italy. Okay. 
So, and I didn't tell you this question in advance. It's like hot seat. So, uh, <laughs> I think this is a great way to segue into dinner. All right. Um, no, but if you had to name five American producers that you're excited about and that listeners should seek out, uh, who are those people? Uh, uh, Jasper Hill Farm, absolutely. Uh, Uplands in Wisconsin, Point Reyes out in California, Vermont Creamery. Oh gosh, the pressure's on, the pressure's on. I gotta think of... (laughs) One more, one more. One more. Well, I'm gonna give a a special shout out to Consider Bardwell, who uh, had been around for a long time and we worked with for many, many years. Um, They sadly uh, shut down recently, which broke our hearts and uh, I think broke the hearts of many people um, in this city and probably across the country. They, they made some really wonderful cheeses. So, Were they cheeses that aged or? Yeah, they, they made uh, raw milk cheeses, really, really beautiful stuff. So we will miss them. Are there, are there any available left? There might be some here and there. I think that we, we uh, ran through most Much of, of ours, yeah. Okay, and I'm not familiar with Upland. What do they make? Uplands is, so they're in Wisconsin. Um, Andy Hatch is the uh, cheesemaker behind it. Uh, they make a cheese called Pleasant Ridge Reserve, which is okay. a fantastic uh, rock house milk, alpine-style cheese. Um, and then he also makes a cheese called Rush Creek Reserve, which is a very seasonal cheese that's available right now. Um, it'll be around maybe into January. Uh, it's, it's rock house milk, spruce bound. It's got that ooey gooey texture that I was talking about when I was lovingly talking about Harbison. Okay. And, um, it's, oh, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's definitely a favorite. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to keep in house cause everyone just loves it so much. And it's really meant to be a reflection of that uh, fattier, richer winter milk that's mm-hmm. coming from the cows, and it's it's amazing. I it's like a must have for my holidays. Okay, so upland for the cheese for the cheese board win. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so listeners, if you are in New York and you are in my neighborhood in the West Village, Greenwich Village. You must go to Murray's for Mac. You can sit at a cheese bar. You can just load up. You can get really cute Morbier t-shirts and learn a lot about cheese. Yes, you can. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> well, I feel like I learned my factoid of the day is the Swiss cheese hole. Right. I'm, and what was that bacteria again? Uh, propionic bacteria. Propionic bacteria. Okay. I feel enlightened. You can wow people at all the holiday parties. Yes. All right. (laughs) Done. Uh, Are you ready to eat? I'm so ready to eat. Okay. Amazing. We're going to pause and hopefully everything's ready and we'll be at the table in just a second. It's dinner time. Potatoes covered in cheese. Yes, please. I don't know. The seafood morning is a little liquidy. We're a little, we're a little liquidy, but everything looks cooked. Um, and in that we have rock shrimp, oysters, oh my god, and some scallops. Wow. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Oh, and the rock shrimp are perfectly done. <laughs> if I do say so myself, it's hot. But mm-hmm. you don't need taste buds, not for your job. Mm. So, do you cook at home? I do, um, regularly. <laughs> Sometimes it's every night. Yeah. Um, even if it's Throwing some things simple together, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, 
it's such a nice way to sort of cap off a day. You know, even if you get home and you're tired and it almost feels like it's going to be too much work, but you, you know, you start prepping and cutting and just being in the kitchen and, and you know, talking, listening to music and it's just, it's relaxing, right? Yeah. You just kind of get into the whole groove and then you have this delicious thing that you made. A meal. What, it's so rewarding. What, um, what do you cook? What are some of your specialties? Oh gosh. Um, well, let's see. I made risotto the other night, mm -hmm. um, which was great. Uh, I have been trying to perfect my cacio e pepe okay. recipe, which is such a simple dish, mm -hmm. right? But it's all about those last few minutes when you're mixing the the pasta with the the cheese and oil and, and peppers and and just trying to make sure that it, it blends smoothly and you just have such a short window of time I feel like right um, and it could just it could go wrong so easily and I have definitely had it go wrong but I feel pretty confident in my okay. skills with it now and I feel like okay. I've got it down pretty good yeah I'm pretty neurotic when I make things like that uh, and I get a little grumpy with my husband if like the table is not set and mm -hmm. the wine is not poured and you're not ready to like eat the pasta at the moment that it is it's ready to be consumed cat casseroles on the other hand are uh, very hearty they can sit forever yeah the tart <coughs> is great thank you <coughs> i don't remember how it compares because i really was so hot and so sweaty when i ate it the last when i ate it in france mm -hmm. and i ate it basically because i knew i needed to eat it there <laughs> right but it probably made me sick <laughs> so but now you're right. It's thirty degrees outside, mm -hmm. and this is I feel great. And the the lardons and yeah, this is totally gonna be my rain. breakfast for the next like, I mean, ugh, four days. I did eat that tartiflette for breakfast with a big fat fried egg on top, and it was divine. Today's episode proves once again, listeners, that cheese is the most central ingredient to any casserole you will make. Stock up at your grocery store, stock up at Murray's, whatever you do, bring the cheese home, especially for the holidays. Now, we will be back next Monday with one more episode before Christmas. Have a great week and keep it creamy.